Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Klegman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to episode 41 of the From Entrepreneur. And today I really have an incredible guest. I'm super excited about this episode. You know, when you think about From Entrepreneurs, you think about maybe someone owns a restaurant, somebody has a store, maybe someone in the diamond industry. Well, today's guest, I guarantee you, is probably the only From uh, business person in the world that does what he does. And I want to, and we're going to hear all about his story. It's, it's really fantastic. I'm super excited to bring to the show Dimitri Salita. Dimitri, thank you for, uh, for coming on the show. Thank you, Nassim. Thank you for having me on. So, Dimitri, why don't you tell everybody what it is you do? I am a boxing promoter, and uh, that kind of evolved from a professional boxing career. From an amateur boxing career to a professional boxing career to a boxing promoter. So it all started at the age of 13 in Brooklyn, New York at Star City Boxing Club. Wow. So it's a professional boxer, now a boxer. So you don't do any uh, boxing anymore today, correct? I took a little break. <laughs> Indefinitely. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I mean, it, this it's really, I mean, I, I, I assume you're the only from boxing promoter in the world. Is that is that probably true? That is probably true. I mean, I know there's a couple, there's like another from boxer, another couple of from boxers out there. There's lots of peop- Jewish people in, in, in the boxing industry, certainly in the business side of it. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, Froom is a, is, is a relative term. I think, you know, most people believe in God. But, they, you know, in terms of practicing, I, I, I personally don't know. You know, I myself keep kosher and I'm sure I'm a Shabbos. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's been quite a journey. It is a quite a journey. And certainly very interesting to meet uh, different people, Jews and non-Jews alike, that, uh, you know, that, that uh, see my... Uh, my dedication and then the different things that I have to do, you know, when I'm away from home in terms of uh, Shabbos logistics or kosher food and things like that. Sure. So it's, it's, it's been a, a very educational uh, and interesting journey thus far. So let, let's, uh, you know, I want to backtrack a little bit to a little bit about getting into your story a little bit, where you're from and uh, like where you grew up, where you went to school. You know, obviously, uh, I shouldn't say obviously, but I know that you weren't born in America, like when you came to America, etc. So why don't you give, a little, uh, give us a little bit about your background? I was born in Odessa, Soviet Union at that time. Uh, then it became Ukraine. My family immigrated to the United States in 1991 when I was nine years old. We came to Brooklyn, New York. And uh, first I went to PS 197, which is located uh, in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and then I went to uh, Hardy Junior High School, and then I went to James Madison High School, and finally I went to Toro College. And uh, then I went to Toro College, from where I got a degree. Uh, as for my boxing education, uh, you know, I started boxing at the age of 13 in Star City Boxing Club. Prior to that, I did karate back in Odessa and here as well, and it kind of morphed into boxing. And Star City Boxing Club has been my home for many, many years. And, uh, you know, uh, then dreams, you know, you, you have dreams and, and certain aspirations when you're a kid. And sure. uh, that makes the hard work, you know, uh, bearable and, 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 uh, and sometimes, you know, enjoyable. And, uh, you know, one step at a time, one foot in front of the next. And uh, thank God that, uh, that, you know, there's been some progress. In the first so when did you, um, when, how old were you when you moved uh, to the States? I was nine years old. So you were nine, and then you. So when you were in Odessa, were you? You said you you took karate lessons. You're in, already into some sort of. Uh... Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Uh, you know, uh, I was kind of uh, you know not, not the strongest kid, 
And my parents wanted me to do a, you know, after school sports activity just to kind of strengthen myself. And, you know, I did a couple of different sports. I really wanted to play soccer, but I wasn't old enough to join the soccer club. So there was a karate club that, that happened after school. And my father suggested that I try it. And, and uh, you know, that, that, that was my first kind of uh, one-on-one combat experience was, was doing karate in Odessa. Mm-hmm. And so when you came to Brooklyn, you, you said you were uh, nine years old. So what did you, how did you, so first of all, you weren't from at this point. I assume by the time you got to Toro, you, you already became from, correct? So uh, I know that my parents, as well as the rest of the Russian Jewish immigration, came to, to the United States at those times because, you know, because Jews were not allowed to be Jewish and they had to, you know, hide their identity and, uh, you know, uh, kind of were, were not treated uh, as well as, as, as they should have. So we moved right. away, uh, to Flatbush in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, for the first time in my life, I've seen Jewish people you know, walking around streets wearing yarmulkes and, and uh, Shabbos has just certain blocks of streets kind of slow down or completely locked down. People dress nice, went to shoe. And uh, it made me, you know, uh, kind of wonder what, you know, wonder about myself. And I knew these people were Jewish like myself. So just uh, what this all meant. And, you know, like I say, Froom is a relative term. I always believed in God. I, you know, as a young boy, I didn't have the education to be to be an observant Jew, but I always believed in God, and I always feel like I had a personal, strong relationship with God, and and you know, and always talk to God in my own ways, and I feel that's very, very important forever. Right. I I always say that there's two things: there's being religious and there's being observant. If you believe in God, you're religious, right? Observant, it depends on, you know, how you grew up or what changes you make, and it's a lifelong uh, long process. Correct. Nobody's ever finished. So, you know, I tried to engage in different Jewish organizations, different synagogues when I was a kid, maybe 10, 11, 12 years old. It didn't work out. Uh, you know, I, you know, finally at the age of, uh, but I asked for my parents to arrange a bris for myself. So I had a bris when I was 12 years old, which I'm very proud of. Wow. And uh, wow. then at the age of 14, my mother got ill and uh, she was uh, one of her visits when she wasn't well. She stayed at Terrence Sloan Hospital, which is in Manhattan in New York City. And one day I came to visit my mother and my mother was rooming with a, with a religious Jewish lady. And this lady's husband came to visit his wife. And, uh, you know, we spent several hours, to, hours together uh, during that day. And I had a lot of questions about Judaism and about God. And unlike my previous experiences, this guy was a, you know, very warm and sweet man. And, and uh, you know, he, he uh, I took a liking to him and he took my information and gave it to a local Chabad rabbi. His name is Rabbi Zalman Liberov. Who, rabbi Zalman what? I'm sorry? Rabbi Zalman Liberov, who's part of the Chabad of Flatbush. Uh, he runs Chabad of Flatbush. So this man introduced you to, to Rabbi Zalman? He didn't introduce me. He, gave my, he took my phone number and he gave it. And he gave it to Rabbi Zalman. Okay. And so, you know, a little while went by and this how old were you when this happened 14 years old 14 wow and uh, this rabbi began to call me call my house you know many many times and you know someone that doesn't know uh, you know all people that wear yarmulkes and all people that are jewish are the same i didn't really you know have an understanding of different denominations in judaism and i i really you know so the rabbi obviously naturally invited me to come to the synagogue to come to his events to meet me, you know, but I, again, I, some of my prior experiences were not so positive and I just didn't feel like I belonged, you know, and that feel felt different and felt, you know, just out of place, out of place. So, you know, I politely 
kept turning him down and down and down. And, uh, you know, rabbis can be very consistent. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, things would get harder in my life, you know, with my mother. And one, one day I decided to come to the synagogue and see what it's like. And I came there, it was during the week, and I saw people there that looked like from different walks of life. Some were dressed, you know, very from, others were dressed in, you know, in jeans and a t-shirt. And, uh, and everybody treated me very nice and, you know, with respect. And something about it felt very right to me. And, you know, boxing is a very spiritual sport. You know, my outlet in that time, I was very serious about boxing, even though I was very young. And, uh, you know, a lot of the frustration that I had, you know, in my, in my life, you know, I gave it out. Uh, in boxing and boxing really helped me help me you know uh, survive those hard times and uh, I started going to the synagogue and it just felt harmonious and felt good it inspired me made me gave me strength and and just 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 something was really right about it for me and uh, you know slowly but surely I started to come back and started to uh, you know shortly thereafter take upon myself to you know uh, mitzvahs and start putting on tefillin and you know and step by step eating kosher and uh, Maybe. Eventually, keeping Shabbos and uh, yeah, things like that. So beautiful. And so this is uh, through Chabad. You kept in touch with this Rav? Correct. It, it it's been all through Chabad, and you know I I'm forever grateful. And and uh, you know Chabad is and just just uh, you know the light of the world in my life. And uh, sure, in a lot of people's lives. <laughs> just, just, you know, as a as a business guy, you know. I've traveled, you know, different places and if it wasn't for Chabad. Sometimes you wouldn't have anything to eat. You wouldn't have, you know, just to see another Yid almost anywhere else in the world. It's just incredible. And the amount of people, the amount of chesed that they do is, uh, is unbelievable. And the Rebbe himself, did you, the Rebbe was nifter before you, uh, you got involved? I've never got a chance to meet the Rebbe, but I did get a letter from the Rebbe encouraging me to continue what I do and then do what I do according, do my job you know, according to Jewish law. And uh, with that, I, I, I should have influence of other people. That's the letter that I got from the Rebbe when I was 18 years old. And uh, So you're already boxing. You, he knew you were a boxer. Yes, I was, I was boxing since I'm 13. So oh, wow. at the age of 18, I was getting ready to go to the U.S. Nationals, which is obviously a very prestigious tournament. And I asked my rabbi you know, for a blessing before I go to this tournament. And he said, sure, you have my blessing, but you should write a letter to the Rebbe. And I wrote a letter to the Rebbe. And the answer that I got was, you'll be successful in what you do. But don't do, you know, try to, don't work on Shabbos. And my rabbi told me that this, for you, this means that you shouldn't box on Shabbos. And, uh, you know, I still, at the time I was not sure of Shabbos yet. And it was a very big commitment for me to, 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 to undertake. And it was very challenging. Uh, but, you know, I, I decided that's what I would do. And, uh, you know, first, when I got to this competition, I faced this qualification. And uh, the finals were, I got to the finals, thank God. And the finals were scheduled on Saturday, like oh. two, o'clock, two, o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, you know, guys, I just won't be able to fight. Uh, you know, and they say, okay, well, if you can't fight, then then, then you're disqualified. We don't really, you know, wow. schedule is the schedule. And through my progress through the tournament, I, I scored a couple of upsets. And uh, a newspaper reporter was interviewing me as kind of the new guy on the block, and you know, asked me what I could, what they can expect, you know, in, in the ring in the finals. And I said, you know, I'm an observant Jew. I don't box on Shabbos. And USA Boxing told me that I would be disqualified, so I'm not fighting, you know, on, on Saturday afternoon. So this guy, whose name was Dylan Hernandez, spoke to USA Boxing, and they changed my time, and my fight was scheduled, scheduled after Shabbos. So, you know. Wow. That was, that was, Incredible. So you, you stuck to your guns, and in the end, you were able to make it to the finals. What happened in the finals? In the finals, I won. Wow. Wow. What an incredible story. And, uh, you know, after that, 
the um, you know the, as as a U.S. champion, the team went to, to Budapest, Hungary for the World Championship Cup. But uh, so there's 12 members of the team, and you know at, in Budapest they were not going to change. My, <laughs> my day, so I, you know, so I stayed home. So the the rest of the team went, and I stayed behind. But uh, oh wow! Oh, so you didn't even, you didn't go because you didn't. Uh... I did. I didn't go because I didn't want to spend the money of of uh, USA boxing in Canada. You know, I, I just didn't. If you wouldn't be able to fully participate, correct. So it just wasn't, wasn't the right thing for me to do. Amazing! Wow! 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 So, how did it feel to win a championship or to win a you know to win a tournament? I mean, I, I, I guess that at that time that's probably the biggest tournament you've won. No? Yes, it was. It's, it's one of the most prestigious tournaments in, in you know in amateur boxing, and it was a really an amazing feeling. It was really an amazing feeling, and uh, you know, uh, you know that's that's we put the hard work in for victory, and uh, you know I was very blessed to be able to 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 taste it on such a level. You know what? I, the the real victory to me here is Chavez. The fact that you you worked so hard to get to that stage and you you were put to the test. It was you were told it's not happening. You were told, well, you're disqualified, and you didn't give in. And not only that, but like you you look at, at the Rebbe, you would think if someone says, "Hey, would, the, would Robert Rebbe say, hey, yeah, you should, you should be a boxer,' or any rub would say, yeah, you should be a boxer, probably say, nah, do something, uh, get get into something else, do something else, but don't be a boxer. But here the Rebbe gave you his bracha. I think the Rebbe, I, I mean, you're Shabbos observance must have strengthened tremendously from that mysterious nefesh you did. No doubt about it. You know, it was it was uh, you know kind of a sign for me personally from above that 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 uh, that uh, you know that doing it in that kind of way is good. And you know, a couple of months later, I fought in New York City Golden Gloves, and again, my final was scheduled for Friday night. And uh, <laughs> through my trainer, whose name is Jimmy O'Farrell, it got changed to Thursday, and. I won the tournament, which was a Madison Square Garden, and I got the award as the outstanding, oh, wow. boxer, outstanding boxer of the tournament. And that was really, you know, that was really, you know, the icing on the cake and really incredible to me. I just want to say, you know, the Rebbe, I got a letter through Igor Skoydish, which is a kind of Chabad custom of, of uh, putting letters, uh, you know, in the volumes of books and getting an answer. You know, so it, it wasn't directed for boxing. It was just, you know, encouraging, encouraging to do your job and to do your your uh, work you know according to Jewish law mm-hmm. so. beautiful beautiful so so what, what so you, you fought in Madison Square Garden how many you can't not too many people could say that I mean that's that's amazing so what is the Golden Gloves that's also like another type of tournament the Golden Gloves is the New York City Golden Gloves is probably uh, by number the biggest amateur boxing tournament in the world it has over a thousand competitors and you know it's it's very prestigious. You fight four to five times throughout the city at different venues, you know, in the finals at Madison Square Garden. So it's a very prestigious, you know, uh, tournament uh, nationally and in New York City for sure. Wow. Amazing. So it's like, so you came in first out of like thousands or out of a thousand? I was the first one in my weight class and I got recognized as the best boxer of the tournament. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. That's incredible. And again, you, uh, you got, you got the uh, date changed for Shabbos. Beautiful. So, Okay, so let's talk a little bit about about what it means to to be a bro- you know boxer. Like your training, your like you know back in the day, you, you said what made you decide to become a boxer? Like you said, you were you started like when you were thirteen. What what happened? How did that start? You know, I I'm not exactly sure exactly what drove me to be so passionate about boxing. You know, I I have to think that it was the struggle of immigration uh, and uh, kind of the lifestyle of immigration that kind of pushed me in that direction i also mm-hmm. you know i i did karate here and kickboxing and my trainer felt that i had some talent you know for it so 
you know, when I went to the boxing gym, first of all, I went to the boxing gym, particularly boxing, you know, not for self-defense, but purely for competitive purposes. And when I went to the right. gym, you know, in Star City, you know, it's kind of, you know, one, you know, it's not, not the best neighborhood in, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many of the kids who were from different, you know, ethnic backgrounds and different communities than I was, but, you know, kind of socially and financially, we were on the same level because, you know, my family was on welfare and we had food stamps and all this, that kind of stuff, you know, uh, puts you in a certain category. Sure. And, uh, you know, when I was around those kids, we were in the same you know, we go to a tournament and you win, you get a free T-shirt and you get a free meal. You know, you're the happiest kid in the world. So, wow. you know, we share that, share that, that, uh, that hunger and that, and that, uh, you know, that understanding, social understanding on the same level. So that, you know, that, that, that made me feel, made me feel good and felt, felt like I belonged, you know. And uh, obviously through boxing, I felt like I could reach, you know, the American dream. So you, you were in high school, you were in high school um, during this time, I guess when you're 14, 15, Right, and so you were you would go to school and then you would train afterwards and then fight on uh, the weekends or how did that work? I would run in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning. Then I go to school. Then I come back at about three o'clock and then I go to the gym at five o'clock. And I lived about an hour from the gym, so I take the B eighty two bus to to Star City Boxing Club, and uh, I come home at eight o'clock, do my homework, and go to sleep and start all over again every day. Wow! Uh, so you train from like three, from like four o'clock to eight o'clock. I train from five to eight. Five to eight, and then the running in the morning, and then fights were usually on the weekends. Fights were on the weekends. No, not only they were throughout the week. Uh, sometimes you'd go away, for, you know, for a tournament during the holiday season, for example, during let's say Labor Day. We have Mondays off, and you fight, you know, on the consecutive days. But uh, right. we're not only on the weekend; they're throughout the week as well. Amazing. Okay, so how? What overall? What is your? When did you stop boxing? I guess, and then what's your uh, professional record overall? My professional record overall is thirty-five wins, uh, two losses, and one draw. Oh wow! And uh, uh, my last fight was about two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. Wow! So thirty—that's that's that's a (laughs) that's a great record. Thirty-five and two and one. That's That's amazing. As a professional, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Did you did you ever uh, encounter any anti-Semitism on the uh, in the ring or uh, you know around it? One hundred percent. Anti-Semitism is is you know. So the short of it is yes. <laughs> anti-Semitism. Did that make you? Anti-Semitism doesn't you know always show itself in, in somebody saying a derogatory word about a Jewish person in a, in a you know, just a very simple type of way. You know, anti-Semitism a lot of times shows itself through action and through different you know, ways people conduct themselves towards you and different, you know, opportunities that you get or that you don't get and things like that. That's real anti-Semitism. That really hurts you. Somebody, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, you know? Right. So It's not true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not true. But, you know, being that I was the first kind of observant Jewish boxer and I, uh, you know, kind of changed the schedules and kind of made... Judaism, not only culturally, but but just the, in the essence, actually, in terms of you know, observant point of view, you know, on, on, on the forefront of a lot of the things that I was doing, and you know, I got a lot of media coverage from Sports Illustrated to you know New York Times and Washington Post and everything like that. So, wow, you know, it was it was it was uh, uh, there were lots of challenges. Let's put it like that. You know, I I don't know. You know, maybe sometimes. Do you remember any anything that stood out? Any episode that happened that stood out? I mean, there were there were lots of situations that are you know that that uh, 
where things were very challenging. So, you know, I don't know if you want to use the word anti-Semitism, but challenging for sure. Things were very challenging. And, you know, but the great thing about the United States of America is that it's a true the land of opportunity and through hard work and determination and believing God, most importantly, you know, you're, you're able to stand up for what you believe in and, and conquer your goals. And, you know, sometimes disappointments and certain struggles are just part of an education. It's very important to be able to internalize those things and learn from them and to be able to make you as a, better as a person, um, you know, uh, in every way. And so, you know, as I grow older, you know, I just different challenges and different things that I had when I was younger, you know, and, and now I just internalize and just, and just, you know, and, and learn from and, and, and make it make me a better person and a better businessman and just take me to the next level all over, you know. So in, in the ring, did, um, did it make you like when you fought, is it more of a science or did you, your anger or your, uh, the challenges did that help propel you? Did that give you energy, adrenaline in the ring? I was never angry. Boxing is a sport, it's a science, and you know, to box, everybody has to have some kind of fuel and something inside of them that makes them want to, you know, wake up and run in the morning and skip a meal and you know, and eat chicken breast and salad, you know what I mean, right? Uh, so and to be able to, to, to you know, to, to, to endure the kind of hard work that it takes to be able to, to get yourself prepared for a fight and to be able to go through it and mentally the challenge of being in a ring, it's not a team sport, so you can't pass the ball to somebody. Right. And take a break for a couple of seconds, you know, a couple of minutes, whatever, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's very time and it's very serious, you know. So you got to have something inside of you that makes you, that fuels your desire to be able to, to withstand all that stuff and make it work for you. And, and then, you know, and, and turn that, that into fire, into fuel and fire. So, um, so it's very important to use the different challenges that we have in life for me. Uh, you know, use them as motivation and use them to, to, you know, to, to, to help you as opposed to hurt you. Right. Amazing. And uh, just to, out of curiosity, because I'm not, I'm not such a big uh, boxing fan, but the professional fights that you had, are the rules the same as the big matches that you always see in the casinos and stuff? The rules are different. Like it was a three minute rounds, 12 right. rounds the, or something like that. The general rules are the same. So it's 12 rounds when you fight for, for a title, you know, throughout my career, I had four different titles. So when you fight a big fights, meaning a title fights, there are 12 rounds. So sometimes lots of big fights are 10 rounds. Uh, so the general concept of the sport is the same everywhere, but each state and sanctioning body, for example, if you fight for a world title belt of a certain organization, their rules slightly, slightly change, but not drastically. They just change in terms of how the fight is scored and different things that happen in the fight. But all the, all the fights, mm -hmm. all the, you know, Title fights are 12 rounds, three minutes, you know, and the gloves are all the same and all those kinds of things are the same, you know. Right. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the business of being a, um, and then we'll get in, you know, I definitely want to get into uh, Sleeta promotions and, you know, you, you're more of a promoter now, but what, you know, you're 15, you're fighting. What, how, how did you get paid? How'd you make money? When you won a championship, did you make more money? Did you, did the winner make more money? Did you get endorsements? How did, how did that all work from a business uh, perspective? So in case any of my listeners want to become a professional boxer, sure. you know. Well, so <laughs> each, each, each fight essentially is a business transaction transaction that's independent of anything. So when you're a good amateur, so an amateur career is like a college career. So did you go to, you know, a community college or did you go to Harvard? So based mm -hmm. on the terms that you win, 
you know, that kind of is your resume to uh, to turn professional. And not to say there's always exceptions to the rule and there's always guys that did not have uh, good amateur careers that become, you know, great boxers, just like, you know, just like in life, people didn't go to the best school, become great businessmen. Sure. But generally speaking, uh, if you were a... A good amateur boxer and a good amateur career, you'll be able to sign a better contract with a promoter who will guarantee you better things. So, mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning of your career, uh, you kind of have a you know a set pay of what you get paid for because you know those fights are building you to be able to get to a higher level. And then when you fight on TV, and TV actually pays for you particularly. And when you fight bigger fights, you know you you negotiate those fights based on the opponent, the TV, the venue, you know, and all the pluses and the minuses. And uh, whether you win or lose does not matter in terms of your pay, but it probably if, if you win a bigger fight, it definitely affects your future paydays. Sure. But, uh, for example, when you... So, like, what does an amateur make, like, for a fight? Amateur boxers make nothing. They make... Uh, make nothing. It's just like uh, college sports, you're saying? Correct. It's 100% like college sports. And then the t- and then a, if it's a promoter or if it's a... You go... If it's on TV... If it's on TV or if you sign with a promoter as a, as a, you know, when you turn professional, so there are different deals that are based on the fact of, you know, that are, that are reflecting on your amateur career. So your, your amateur career, you know, did you, did your team make the final four? You know, are you, are you a top NBA draft pick? You know, so basically were you ranked number one in the country? It's the same thing to boxing. You know, what was your ranking? What tournaments did you win? Who did you beat as an amateur boxer? And then based on mm-hmm. that, very, just very generally speaking, you know, very generally speaking, you know, you, 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 you negotiate your country based on those things. And so like on the low end, how much would, how much would you make in a fight? On the low end, the fighter starting out, uh, for a four round fight based on his, his, uh, credentials can make from 400 to $1,500, something like that. And in the, uh, like a bigger fight or, or a championship fights, you, you won four belts. You said, well, bigger, what do you, bigger what, fights, depending on what kind of title it is and, I mean the the and depending on who you are and what you draw and what you bring, you know the world title fights. You you know people make from you know from let's say thirty thousand to twenty million, you know to fifty million. Right. So it's a very it's a very wide scope and it ranges. You know, for example, Floyd Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya when they fought, yeah. they made you know close to a hundred million dollars. Floyd actually, I think, made two hundred twenty-five million dollars for his last fight. You know, yeah. So that's you know, some sick number like that. So that's a very high, high level. You know, that's that's one. You know, that's one in a in a generation. You know, are you friends with Floyd? Can you get him on the phone? I, I actually am friends with Floyd. You know, I are you really? Early, I was kidding. Early in my career, I spent lots of training camps because um, we were both signed by Bob Brown by Top Rank, and we spent lots of training camps together. And I do have Floyd's number. Oh, that's funny. And uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, on my. Uh, on my social media pages, you can see some pictures with him. Did you ever spar with him? I did spar with him, actually. Yes, I did. That's crazy. Yep. <laughs> Long time, <laughs> That's probably incredible. 2003, 2002, 2003, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Floyd, Floyd is a you know very hardworking athlete, and uh, you know I know him as a nice guy. And uh, you know a long time ago, so wherever I fought in Las Vegas, all over, you know I always obviously had a. I actually, I used to stay in Vegas for a long time because because I had training camps there. My promoter was based out there. So I was very close with the local Shalia, whose name is Robert Harlick. And he would come visit me in the gym from time to time. So uh, Floyd was very respectful of the rabbis. 
And uh, uh, some time ago, we fought in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is where Floyd is from. And I fought in the same show with him. And uh, the rabbi came to the press conference and, you know, he publicly gave him a shout out. And uh, it was very respectful. Oh, that's cool. So Floyd, you know. Stand up guy. Floyd is okay, yeah. Yeah, obviously, uh, when it comes to, um, you know, entertainment and promoting yourself, you know, a lot of times what you see, what you read about in the press is just show. But the person himself could uh, Floyd's, be the... Floyd's brand is the money team, TMT, the money team. And if, right. if you go on his website, he, so he has some t-shirts and some hats that say TMT, which stands for the money team. And he has some t-shirts, some hats that just have a star of David. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes, he does. That's funny. That's fine. Okay, so you do have Floyd's uh, phone number. I'm not going to ask you for it because I wouldn't even know what to say to the guy, but uh, that's cool. All right, so you, you want to so you, you get Floyd to be on the phone with <laughs> Yeah, you know, it guarantees to be the highest uh, listened to episode if I could get Floyd on the show, but I think we got to wait till he, uh, you know, carved a little bit better. You got to bring him back. <laughs> Mayweather. Mayweather could be a Jewish name, no? You have to ask the rabbi. Yeah, I don't know Floyd, but all right. Anyway, so so what's the? Do you mind like you know? Don't feel free not to answer or just give a range. But what's the most amount you won in a fight? The most money I won. So you don't. Actually, yeah. It's, it's not the. It's not the, the. And it's not a casino. It's not the slots. So you don't. You don't win it. Meaning like you don't play. You know, you get paid for the work that you do. Oh right. So whatever. So what was the most I guess you got regardless, for? Uh, regardless of where you win, or if you if you win or if you lose, you still get the same. You know. You get what you, you get. What you get. So I made some six-figure paydays. Nice. That's great. That's incredible. Okay, so let's talk about that's. Um, so first of all, there was a, what, there's another from boxer out there, right? Yuri something. Yes, I know Yuri. Yep. So you're in touch with him. You you guys uh, text each other. Uh, I know Yuri. We're in touch. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I know Yuri. Are you, you guys are the only? You're probably the only two from boxers or a box ball from correct? I think so. That's cool. All right, so you you decided, I guess, uh, about two, your last fight was about two and a half years ago. You're going to step back in the ring again? You know, I part of my growth as a, as, a, as a person is to always talk to God. And I always talk to God and I look for directions, uh, you know, signs in my life. So, you know, uh, every day is a new day and I always talk to God. And, uh, you know, people ask me this question all the time if I'm going to fight again. And my answer is always I'm talking to God. So, you know. It's very appropriate to say on the, on the show, such as the Freeman Entrepreneur, that I really always talk to God and, uh, you know, always look for direction and clarity as to my next move, you know, t- to be the best for, uh, you know, for, for, for what I represent and for my family. And f- so you're married with two kids. That's amazing. So when you, I don't know if it's a shidduch date, I don't know uh, how you met your wife, but she obviously knew you were a professional boxer, I guess, when you met. She may have found out that I was a professional boxer after we started dating. Oh, really? <laughs> I think so. That's funny. And and what what was her response? You know, uh, my wife, uh, you know, went to Yeshua her whole life, and uh, so I think that uh, for someone that's been in that kind of environment, they may not, you know, really understand what professional boxing is until they go to a fight and they experience it. You know what I mean? Sure. So uh, you know, and uh, and boxing is a very tough sport. You know, when I go to fights and I see my friends fight, you know, I feel <laughs> I feel you know, uh, kind of uh, very, com- very, you know, compassionate towards them. And it's very intense for me to see, to see somebody that I know that's close to me, uh, you know, to fight. So, so, you know, cause boxing is obviously much different than other sports. Sure. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, 
I, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that she understood what, you know, really what it is until a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And does your wife ever watch your fights? My wife watches my fights. Yes. Yes. But, uh, at some point we made up, you know, we made up that she doesn't go to my, you know, that she doesn't attend my fights because, because, you know, it's not good. F- it's not good for me and it's not good for her because, you know, I obviously worry about her and, uh, right. So it's just, you know, it's just a healthier, it's a healthier, it's healthier and more productive for what needs to be done. Sure. Sure. I've been, I assume, how old are your kids now? Uh, thank God I have uh five and a half and an 18 month old. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, I mean, you didn't, you didn't buy gloves for your five and a half year old yet, did you? I didn't, you know, I think boxing is a great sport for everybody to learn, uh, teaches confidence, teaches responsibility, teaches hard work, many really great lessons that I feel kids across the board of all communities can really benefit from. And I know that sometimes, you know, in the Jewish world, you may get a little little uh, pushback from it, but I really think that boxing is a great sport with proper instructors and taught responsibly. I think it's a great sport for, for school, to, for, you know, uh, the junior high school to high school and high school students. But with that being said, I, I wouldn't, you know, advise for anyone to become a boxer and, you know, it's just as, uh, an art to be learned for oneself, just to, you know, to, to, to incorporate into, just into, into self-develop. So I, mm-hmm. so with that being said, I do want to, you know, teach my kids some boxing at some point, but they're too young. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So let's talk a little bit about Salita Promotions. What's, what's the, um, what is it being a promoter? How's the business side of it work? What is, um, what made you want to go into, uh, promotions, et cetera? Essentially, just, uh, you know, generally speaking, uh, the promoter's uh, job is to sign fighters, hopefully good fighters, and to make a deals with the venues uh, that that host them and to make a deal with, with television networks that hopefully want to broadcast them and to make deal with sponsors and uh, that are interested in getting involved in the event. So it's a real serious business. I mean, there's, uh, that is the connection. there's a lot going on. That is the uh, the responsibility of a promoter. So a promoter is also responsible, regardless of what deals he makes, he's responsible to pay the fighter his, you know, at the very least his minimum purse that are contractually you know, discussed and agreed upon. So it is the promoter's job to go out there and, and uh, you know, sign good fighters that he wants to see and that fans wants to see and the, the sponsors want to put their brand on, you know. So that's, that's in a nutshell promoting. So you started your own promotion? I started my own promotion company in 2010. In 2009, I fought for a world title. And uh, shortly thereafter, I wanted to fight again. And, uh, you know, I met with different promoters. And at that point in time, I already had you know, become, you know, more knowledgeable being in the business and being signed to, you know, big and very established promoters. And, you know, I just wasn't uh, satisfied with what, with what, with the feedback that I was getting and the commitments that I would have to commit as, as, as a fighter and as an entity, you know, for, for what I was getting. So, you know, I had a very strong fan base in New York city and I read this book called startup nation. Ah, sure. A great book. And one of the things that it says in the beginning startup nation is that, that in Israel, as opposed to in other countries, when somebody thinks of a business idea, they started like five days later. It's very easy to open a company and whatever, as opposed to another right. place where people do research and they see if two plus two is four, etc. Right. So I said to myself, you know what, man, you know, 
if you if you it just feels right so i came up with this idea sometime in july and i think five or six weeks later i promoted my first show and it was sold out and it was on tv and we had oh my gosh and it's six weeks something like that maybe six maybe seven that's Uh, crazy and uh it all worked out really good and you know thank god i had good people in place to be able to help me with it so you did the, it, it took you about six weeks from start to finish, finding the fighters, getting it on TV, getting um, sponsorships. I mean, th- that's, that's crazy. You know, it, 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 you know, it all kind of fell, fell into the right place and things happened very quickly and just, you know, thank God everything lined up and we sold a lot of tickets and we got some sponsors. We got a lot of sponsors actually and we got it on TV and it was just, it was a, it was a lot of hard work, you know, it was fighting and promoting, but it was a great experience. And uh, then three months later, I promoted another show that I fought on. And then three months later, again. So the first three shows that I promoted, I fought on. Wow. So you're fighting and promoting. And, and how, uh, were, were these amateur fights? No, no, no. Once you turn pro, I turned pro when I was 19 years old. So from the age of 19, uh-huh. there was no more amateur fights. No, I meant because of your promotion. I thought uh, your promotions are, are, are promotional fights, you're saying, are uh, pro fights. I'm sorry, I don't understand your question. Meaning, uh, you're, you're, I guess if you have a promotion, you're only promoting professional fights, you're not promoting amateur fights. Correct. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you would go around, find boxers, watch them fight, watch the tapes, and then try to get them to come onto your promotion. Then you'd have to book a venue, get buy the boxing ring, or rent a boxing ring. How, how does it work? How do you how do you how do you do all that? I didn't have to walk. I didn't have to, uh, you know, didn't have to. Uh walk around and watch tapes because I was so connected to, to the boxing community in New York City and you know I knew all the fighters and the managers and the trainers and, and I had people that were helping me that also had the same kind of connections from the boxing community. So that you know so that, that part was easy and and uh, you know, I, I was a world rated fighter that fought on the show and um, you know and we had a couple of other fighters that were world rated and that you know went on to become for world title or to you know to accomplish great things in boxing so we had really high class talent really from the beginning uh-huh. and uh so you rent the venue first of all you have to get licensed by the new york state athletic commission and new york state athletic commission in new york is one of the most prestigious and hardest commissions to get licensed in because um, right. it's very thorough with, uh, with, with everything and, you know, and very strict, strict strict with their rules and regulations they regulate the safety of boxing and make sure that that uh, you know sport of boxing help happens at the highest of level in the state of New York. And um, so you were able to get that in just a few weeks, or you had to use someone else's uh, talent. We got that shortly. Actually, for the first show, I believe I rented. We rented somebody else's license. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the second show, I was already licensed. And does it cost money, or is it just like a huge application? It costs some money. Not incredibly expensive, but it costs some money to become a licensed promoter. Um, uh-huh. And uh, then you rent the venue, and the venue has to be, uh, you know, uh, has to f- uh, be accepted by the New York State Athletic Commission regarding safety and, uh, you know, fire hazard regulations, and we, you know, sure. place to put the ring, and a place to put the judges, and all these different things. So we did it in, in Brighton Beach at Oceana Theater, which is no more, but it was very mm-hmm. iconic and certainly you know, I'm Russian and Jewish in the heart of the community. So you know, lots of people can can come on support, uh, and then of course you rent the ring, and uh, you know you. Buy- Where do you rent the ring? Like one eight hundred rent a ring? Like how do you? No, I, oh, I guess you had connections. You knew everything. No, every, being in the industry. Every, you know, 
every boxing city has a couple of people that do this kind of thing uh, that uh-huh. rings for events. And uh, so, you know, I mean, because I've been in this business since I'm 13 years old, I know pretty much, you know, most people that are involved and do one thing or another. So that was not a problem at all. And then you get the DJ, you get the ring announcer, you know, you know, the insurance that you have to get. And, uh, you know, you get the gloves and, uh, and you rock and roll. And how, how about sponsorships? Like, is there like a, an, like an ad agency or an agency that's easy to, you know, tap into those? Or do you have to just call people, you know, want to, you know, cold call, so to speak? It's, 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 it's both. So sometimes there are agencies, there are agencies that work for you. And it's also a lot of these relationships. You know, there's companies, mm-hmm. national and local, that support boxing that uh, maybe businesses that somebody as a fighter, as an individual, you have relationships with that want to, you know, support what you do. So, uh, you know, it's a combination of, of all those things together. And so I guess after, at the end of the day, what's the, what's the markup? Like how much do you, uh, percentage wise, you make at the end of a fight after you pay the fighters, pay the hall, pay everything you walk, what do you walk away with? Um, not in terms of cash, but in terms of, uh, I guess, uh, was it like 30% is profit? At the end of the day, twenty percent. It's it's really it's really impossible to predict because every event is so different, and right. it's based on the fighters that fight, and you know, uh, and uh, the cost of the fights and the fighters and the different things that are you know. So, but it is profitable. You wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't uh, making some some good cash. Sometimes it's profitable. Sometimes it's not profitable. Sometimes it's an investment in the business, and mm-hmm. when you grow a brand. You know, sometimes you, for some kind of benefit that's indirect, you you, you do something for that purpose. Uh, so not all shows, not all shows are profitable as a globally that profitable, but in the individual individualized basis, there's really a, right, sometimes it's an investment in your business. There's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot of details that are involved in, in making those kind of decisions. And it's, you know, for people that are not boxing fans, it's maybe, you know, maybe hard to explain. So, you know, for for example, you know, if you have a fighter, let's say John Doe, and he has to have a fight so that he can get world ranked so that, you know, in his next fight, let's say, hypothetically speaking, he can make a million dollars. But he needs to have this one fight that's going to cost you, let's say, $30,000, which will take away your profit from this particular show. But you know that tomorrow you're going to make so much more money because as a result of this win, he's going to make more money tomorrow. You know what I mean? So, he, and he signed with you, so he can't just leave you. Correct. You're saying. Correct. How many boxers do you have in your, is it called a stable? Like how many? Uh... I have 25 boxers, about 25 boxers that are signed to me. You know, uh, many of them are world ranked and some of the best prospects in boxing. You know, through my relationships, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, a, new, a new business model I've been able to to make uh, to have great connections with the boxing community, you know, uh, in the East Coast of the United States and throughout, you know, throughout the world, you know, we have a lot of very talented fighters from the former Soviet bloc countries that are now living and training in the United States. Olympians and uh, uh, different champions that are that are that I'm, uh, you know, blessed to have under my banner. Amazing, amazing! How many people do you have working uh, for Slita Promotions? You know, it, it varies on show per show. We do a lot of outsourcing based on the activity and help that, that, that needs to happen. So, right. you know, we, we have uh, some core people that are involved with, you know, kind of everyday logistics and, you know, and, uh, you know, boxing is a funny business because it's, uh, 
you know, it's uh, busy in stages in terms of, the, you know, the times during the day. You know, sometimes a lot of the boxing people, you know, uh, you know, from, from 5 to 12, you know, they're from 5 in the afternoon to 12 at night, you know, sometimes um, it gets very busy, you know, and then from 12 to 5, it could be not so busy. So right. it's, 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 a, it's a very niche sport and it's a niche business. And, uh, you know, as my trainer, Jimmy, always used to say, God works in strange ways. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's very true. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's a blessing to, 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 to do what you do and to live and to learn every day. Um, and, um, and I guess you love what you do. You've been doing it so, so long. It's, uh, right, when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, huh? I love boxing, man. I love boxing. Um, you know, obviously, there are challenges and frustrations everywhere in life. But, but Sure. But I love boxing. So this has been absolutely incredible. I I, I love this interview. It's you know I've learned so much about you, and it's really really inspiring. I'm going to go to what we call our lightning round. I'm just going to ask you a few more questions, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a day. But I read somewhere that you're that eventually you want to make Aliyah. I would love to make Aliyah at some point in my life. Have you been to Israel? I've been to Israel two times with my wife. Yes, Israel is amazing, and uh, you know. Uh, I hope Mashiach comes today, and uh, then I'll see you tomorrow here. That's tomorrow, yeah. Maybe later on today. Maybe. Well, I'll probably be asleep. I'll wake up for if, if Mashiach comes. I'll wake up. Good. <laughs> How did you um, when you started this promotion? Did you uh, did you get an investor? Did you invest your own money? Did you need an investment? You know, it's it's a it's a it's an involved business on many different levels. So different situations. You know, it's, it's an involved business at many different levels and different situations that uh, require different kinds of things at certain points in time. So, you know, uh, I'm very blessed that we've been successful and, uh, you know, and, and progressive, you know, in a progressive fashion, um, you know, in a very short, short amount of time. You know, I back in April, I had my first Showtime televised show, which was really a big, oh, wow. you know, a big step in my career. Uh, and... Uh, a couple of months before, actually a year before that, we opened up the Barclays Center, which opened up their new venue. You know, I was the first promoter to be able to open that. We promoted, oh, wow. promoted a show Amazing. at the uh, Cyclone Baseball Stadium in Coney Island, which, you know, had uh, around 40 members of the media from from nationally and from around the world. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's been great to be able to be associated with those kind of events and to uh, and to keep on climbing the ladder. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, so like, it's not like you think usually of startups or businesses, you need an investment, you go to, you know, angel investors or VCs, but I guess this is, uh, the, the money comes from within the community, so to speak. You know, I think, you know, in all businesses, the most important thing is to start. And if you have a good idea and if you have a good product, well, a lot of people have good ideas, but if you have a good product and you actually start to actualize it and start putting one foot in front of the next, you know, things happen and, you know, with, with hard work and dedication, you know, uh, hard work and dedication, and and facing some challenges every now and again, and being able to learn from them, and and uh, you know, and and keep going forward. I think that that uh, you know uh, that uh, you see progress. Success is a very flexible term. You know, I think progress is most important, and progress mm. is success. If you're better off today than you were tomorrow, and if you, you know, I'm sorry, if you're better off today than you were yesterday, and you know, then and by a month and by a year. Uh, and you can, you know, hopefully with long periods of time, such as you, you can really see progress. You know, that's really a sign of success uh, because mm-hmm. success we make up in our own minds. What's, you know, what's successful to different individuals is based on their own, 
you know view of the world and their sure. goals and and and, uh, and 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 marks. So you know progress is most important. You know today we have some of the best fighters in the world that are signed to me, and uh, you know and and uh, obviously developing these relationships with the TV networks and the different world class venues throughout the, throughout the country. You know it's 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 uh, it's been a great learning experience and, and a great progress. So I'm very blessed. Amazing. Now, is it, you, you were turn you turned down a role for an HBO movie? Oh, that was a long, long, long time ago. Long, long, long time. Long, long time ago. More than six months. <laughs> like fifteen years. Oh wow! Really long time ago. Really long time ago. Why'd you turn it down? Because I just turned pro, and this particular for this particular movie, they were looking for boxers to be able to to play like villains and to get beat by the star. And I just mm. want to get my first kind of. Uh, you know, uh, national exposure by by people seeing me lose on TV. But you know, I was 19 years That's old. That's incredible foresight. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, but it was it was it was not a big role, and it was just you know, just wasn't worth it. it I mean, I, I, it was such such a long time ago, man. I you know I forgot about it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Dimitri, this has been absolutely amazing. I really appreciate you taking the time. I, I feel so inspired. Such a fantastic story. You know, I think next time I'm in town, I'm going to come to one of your fights. That'd be great. Check it out. You know, I think that would be uh, that'd be super amazing. And uh, you know, I know a lot of people can be inspired from your story. And uh, I guess, as they say, keep the faith. Yes, keep the faith. Always got to keep the faith. <laughs> sure. All right, Dimitri. Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliak.